Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thanks a lot for checking out the podcast. Would you mind rating the podcast for me, please? And please subscribe to the podcast as well. And coming up here on the podcast, an incredible birthing story. You are going to want to hear this. We're going to talk about brain training and IQs with Dr. Cyrus Dirksen. And we're also going to talk about the smoking ban on patios. Has it had an impact? Right now on the podcast. Hello, Dino. Hey, uh, congratulations on the new child, Lila Alice. How is Lila doing? Lila's doing great for sure. We're both excited. Yeah, yep. no kidding. You're on a you're on a cell phone, and the reception, of course, today because today's been going like this, is a little iffy. So uh, I hope we can carry on the conversation. But tell everybody exactly what happened. We've been talking about other crazy birthing stories today, and we've had several, but yours is really crazy. Tell us what happened. Yeah, for sure. So we initially went to the hospital around four o'clock because my wife's water broke around one, and uh, she's tend to give birth pretty quickly. Like we already have two two kids under five. So this was number three. We went to the hospital and uh, after being sent away and then coming back uh, at 7.30, they kind of monitor for a bit and, and they just basically said, you know what, we don't think it's going to happen tonight and uh, come back in the morning. Uh, both of us were kind of apprehensive to leave because we were in Steinbeck and we live 45 minutes away from Steinbeck. We live in St. Agathe. And uh, we wanted to triple check that it was a good idea to leave, and they convinced us to leave. So uh, we did. Uh, we got in the car. We made the drive back. And on the drive back, she was obviously in the final stages of labor. Uh, she could barely walk out of the car when we got home. I got her on the couch, and uh, it was pretty evident at the time that she was in the last little leg of labor. So I called the hospital, and they said, you know, either call an ambulance or make your way back. So we decided to make the 45-minute trip back, and we didn't get more than 10 minutes into the drive when she told me to pull over, and she said, I feel like i got to push. And uh, I hop out and uh, check on her, and she's like, nope, let's keep going. So I get, get the gas, and, uh, you know, less than a minute later, she says, pull over, i got to push. And I pulled over, I looked down, I could see Lila's head coming out, so I jump out, I run around the front of the car, and I go to open the passenger door, and it's locked, and I can't get in, and I'm panicking. Right in front of my eyes, Tyler gives birth to her own baby daughter uh, in front of me, locked outside. And uh, I'm freaking out, and she unlocks the door. And uh, the first thing any sane dad would do is I took a bunch of pictures and uh, uh, some video, and then we called 911, and the 911 operator kind of walked me through what to do. So uh, the first thing we had to do was kind of uh, clean up the baby, make sure the baby could breathe and uh, was crying, and then I had to tie the umbilical cord with the iPhone charger, and and then we waited 30 minutes for the ambulance to get there to take mom to the hospital. Wow. What a story. Yeah, yeah. That so, is crazy. Good for you, though. And, man, Kayla, I mean, you guys are rock stars. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. And, uh, you know, I couldn't be more proud of her. Um, we were definitely scared because we were basically convinced it couldn't happen uh, that quickly. So we were kind of afraid something wrong was happening. But, uh, you know, she's, she's a tough girl, and she's done it twice already. So um, she pushed when she had to push, and she you know, gave birth to our daughter all on her own. And 
and uh, yeah, we just we were blown away that it happened like that, and we're 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 grateful that nothing went wrong because we were in the middle of nowhere, and it took 30 minutes for an ambulance to get there. Uh, so if anything had gone wrong, it could have been serious. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it ended, and we're just kind of pushing for some kind of more information on the administration side of maybe were the right decisions made because uh, they sent us home and within 90 minutes, uh, Lila was born. So uh, we just don't want this to happen again to anyone else. And, <laughs> you know, it just, you just never know. So, Well, exactly. And that's what I was going to ask you about now that I've heard the story and it's a great story and I'm glad that it had a happy ending. And by the way, all of this, you were pulled over off the 305 west of yeah. the 59. So you're on the yeah. side of a road doing all this. Yeah, yeah, side of the road in the middle of nowhere. Not a, no cars passed us. We were the quiet, cold. It was a, a cool evening. It was dark. It was nine forty p.m. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was just uh, it was amazing. And and in the moment, like it was just the most amazing thing to see. You know, just the two of us out there uh, with a brand new uh, baby girl who was wow. happy and healthy. So you will have a story to tell, man. Exactly. Like you yeah, know, imagine sure. when when Lila gets older and you tell her how she came into the world. That's really cool. So let me ask you about the hospital because uh, it's my understanding, Kayla, your wife, had a history of quick birth. So when you were at the hospital and saying, "Hey," and they send you home, no wonder you were reluctant. Uh, are they saying anything to you about why that decision was made to send you home? Because obviously it was the wrong one. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, that's kind of what we're pushing for is just a, a little accountability just to say, yep, we kind of we made the wrong judgment call. Uh, basically, we asked multiple times. We said, you know, she progresses quickly. This is labor. Like her contractions are showing that she is ready to give birth, but she wasn't dilated enough. And the resident who is in charge basically said, labor doesn't progress this fast. You got lots of time. Um, so just go home and lay down and, and kind of come back when, when it's baby time. And we didn't make it home. We didn't even make it halfway home before I kind of knew I was already timing her contractions on the way home because I knew that like, it's going to progress. And I said, when we got home, I said, we're either doing it here or we're doing it in the car on the way back because this is, (laughs) this is baby time. So, um, had we not been so concerned that it, that they had convinced us that it wouldn't happen, we would have been fine just doing it at home because, um, it, she's lucky that she is healthy and fit and, and yeah. has done this before. So I, I fear for any first time mom who's sent away and has to do this without any experience and without, um, you know, being healthy and, and, and fit and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's just always question your doctor and this goes for anything and, and just, you know, push for what you believe. And I think that as a, a, a woman who's in labor, it's hard to, to really be, uh, to butt heads with a doctor and just say like, no, this is my body. This is what I think needs to happen. And we should have stayed in the hospital and hindsight is always twenty twenty. And, and if this is, there's to happen again, we know, but we just want other people to know that you should say, if you think it's going to happen, what's the worst thing is just stick around the hospital and just, you know, don't take the risk. Yeah. And this was which hospital? This was uh Steinbeck. So this Steinbeck. Has, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure at that point they would have had room for her. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, I Listen, I'll just say, I, you know, it seems to me why not err on the side of making sure and saying, yeah, you know what, let's, especially when she's had two other kids, she delivers quickly, uh, the water you know. Was broken, yeah. Yeah. The water was broken, yeah. And mm-hmm. we, we were in the room, they distar- discharged us, and we came back and stayed in the same room. Nobody else had been there. So. Right, yeah, so the and room was certainly was- available. They were saving the room for her. It's just, why not stay? So, 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, hindsight is twenty twenty. But yeah. like, we should have stuck around, but mm-hmm. we just trusted our doctors, and and they made the wrong call. Yeah. So. Well, and, Dino, again, yeah. uh, you know, congratulations. I'm. I, listen, things could have not worked out this well. I'm really glad exactly. they did, yes. but exactly. I, you yeah. know, we have to keep that in mind. So congratulations, Dino, Thank to you. you and Kayla and Lila, Alice, and let's get the other kids' names on the air too. What are the other kids called? Yeah, my daughter is Ella, and she's five, and my son is Eli, and he's three, and they're both very excited to have a baby girl. Great story. And Great. thank goodness for that iPhone charger. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hey, Dino, sure. thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Enjoy yeah. the long weekend with your family. I'm happy for right you. You too. Thanks a lot. And Dr. Cyrus Dirksen is here. You can find Dr. Cyrus at drcyrus.com, D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com, or right here on CJOB every Friday between 2.30 and 3. We're going to talk to Cyrus about a few things today. Do brain training games, I didn't even know there was such a thing, do brain training games really work? Mania linked to beef jerky and how a cat parasite can change your personality. All that and more with Dr. Cyrus. Hello, Doc. How are you? I am doing good. Better than me today. Is that what you're going to say? I think so. (laughs) Although I'm dropping things around here too. I I need a therapy session today after the uh, luck that I've had today with technology and all kinds of stuff. What is the best approach when we have one of those days? Just kind of roll with it or what what is it? Or is it good to punch a wall if you can afford to get it fixed? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Break something and then fix it. Yes, right. Or, you know, pay somebody to fix it and then you're mad about that. Uh, I guess we all have them, though. I guess, you know, nothing new there, right? Okay, let's talk about (laughs) what are brain training games, anyhow? Well, uh, these are, you know, things on your... uh, They they used to be in other places, but now they're on your phone. You know, like, they're these kind of... Game, games that usually focus on some kind of oh, cognitive skill. Okay. And uh, I, th- I think the one that the, this article was talking about in particular was working memory. Um, mm. But there's other ones, you know, like verbal skills, math skills, language yeah. skills, problem-solving strategies of various logic, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, so they got lots of things. And uh, so people really catch on to them. I run into them a fair amount because I do uh, assessments for kids for IQs and learning disabilities and things like this. And so right. um, I'm often having to give parents news about their children's abilities. And, uh, you know, the next question that comes from parents is, is there anything we can do about it? Mm. And it's a difficult question to answer, and it's kind of a little bit of what this article is talking about. Can you do something if your brain isn't great at a certain skill? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, the, I mean, the article was saying basically uh, that for, the, for an adult who's active, uh, you know, an adult who's kind of just regular living, yeah. the answer is no. You know, the really? uh, yeah, it is what it is. It, it pretty much is what it is. I mean, mm. we talk about like brain plasticity, and so like you know, there's there's always these stories that you hear about people who you know like they can't walk. All the doctors say you're never going to walk, and then yeah. they walk, and they walk right, right. And it's like, well, that's, I mean, that's brain plasticity. Your brain, uh, you know, or your body was able to kind of you know, particularly your brain, uh, and what's what I'm talking about is able to overcome after, but it's usually the story doesn't involve a normal amount of effort. Mm. Uh, Normally the story involves a heroic amount of effort of some kind, you know, years of crawling on the ground and, you know, like things like this. And and so... So under normal circumstances, that person may never walk again. That's right. So are the doctors wrong? The answer is probably not, Mm. but this person did something completely abnormal and heroic and devoted years of their life to kind of creating this brain plasticity moment. And so... 
under normal circumstances for our brain, the answer is no. I, it's hard to measure heroic efforts because it's hard to have a research, you know, project with a hundred people who all do decades of heroic effort on some yeah. on some app, you know. So that's a question we can't really answer. Yeah. Now you said it doesn't work for adults, but does it work for kids or minds that are developing and growing? There's some evidence to say it does. Um, I think that uh, it's different for kids. Uh, and it's also different for people who are um, perhaps seniors. Now, you know, my theory about this is that if you're in a situation, uh, you know, if you're a senior and you're in a situation where you're potentially not, um, your brain isn't all that active with your daily routine, mm-hmm. like you've got a pretty sedentary life or not a lot of challenges, then potentially doing an app like this can bring you more up to a normal level. So your brain, you're not doing like uh, extra stuff. You're just kind of getting up to normal and that can maybe stave off dementia or other things in Mm -hmm. some way. For a developing brain, I think there's a little bit more of a question mark. There's There's some evidence to say that it can help. And so this is kind of what I tell parents. It's like, you know, basically what your child comes with is what they have. There's these heroic stories that, you know, you can maybe do stuff and they're developing. So it's hard to say. I... You know, you get proven wrong with these developing brains kind of things. So uh, you don't necessarily want to kind of have too much hope that this is going to completely change your reality, but you can't completely rule it out either. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned I that you talk with parents about kids and some of this stuff. Sure. And you mentioned IQ. Yes. Which is something that scares the heck out of me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I would love to know where oh, my... Oh, really? I, oh, yes, I would. Yes. I would love to know where my IQ is. Okay. But I'm worried. <laughs> I don't really think I want to know where my IQ is. Because oh, yes. I think I'm relatively intelligent. Sure. But what does it? What What do you base IQ on? Because that's what worries me. I think mm. maybe I'm more street smart than I am <laughs> book smart. Yes. And when you get your IQ tested, what is it? Yeah. Well, working memory is one thing. That's what we test. Uh, Sorry. And, what's your name again? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I used to fall for that one. Yeah. Um, and uh, we just, you know, working memory. So that's basically if I was to list off a bunch of numbers, can yeah. you repeat them back to me? Yeah. Um, See, I don't think I'd be very good at that. Yeah. So uh, processing speed. So we give people really simple tasks yeah. um, that aren't that aren't hard to solve. Mm-hmm. And we see how much of, how many of them they can do in a minute. Mm. And uh, so it's processing speed. And it's very interesting to, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like kids who have a slower processing speed, they sometimes or often, I should say, actually, have trouble even, like, eating quickly or all these parents are probably having a heart attack out there. I don't mean to scare parents. Like, there's lots of kids who have trouble eating quickly and they have a fine processing speed. You know, but they, you know, it's it's tough getting them out the door. It's tough getting them to walk quicker. You know, like, it's it's amazing how much some of these skills that seem so specific on the the test, it's like I just tested you on one minute about this processing speed, and yet we're capturing something that really does influence the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, so that's the point. I don't mean to scare, scare parents, yeah. but, um, then we also test verbal skills like uh, vocabulary and things like this, ability to solve problems, um, you know, stuff like that. So are there any trick questions on there or anything oh, that, uh, well, they're all kind of tricky. Mm. And they, what happens on an IQ test is they start off easier and they get harder. Yeah. And, um, so they're made to everybody. Oh, yeah, has, I don't like tests like unfortunately, that. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately. Everybody feels like a failure at the end of this test because they just get harder until you get enough wrong and then they stop. Right. And uh, so if you if you fail at the end, that's normal. Mm. It's designed that way. I and think I got to find somebody who will test me and <laughs> promise they will never tell anybody. <laughs> I just want to know. I'm just curious. I just want to know what my yeah. number is. And yeah. but you know, it, it, but uh, here's the reason I ask what you test when you test sure. IQ. The reason I ask that is because I have met some 
people mm-hmm. who are challenged in some ways. Yep. And I go, yeah. but yet they are so smart yes. about some things, right? So that's why I asked that because oh, yeah. I think I am smart about some things and then I think I'm probably pretty dumb about others. The thing is... In our social interactions, what we don't what we don't realize is that as we're walking through life, we're constantly assessing people's IQ. Mm. We don't realize it, but our expectations change for different people. And there's a few factors that we use to assess IQ. The main ones are our vocabulary, so and our rate of speech. So if somebody's speaking quickly and using big words, we will define that person generally as intelligent. We also use um, some things that aren't really related to IQ, like um, like attractiveness or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are attractive kind of get this halo around them. Yeah, um, or people with a sense of humor. Oh, potentially I too. I think, right? Yeah. Like yeah. You're right. Some people have some things Off. that are perceived as yeah. making that person more intelligent. And people who have a sense of humor often do have a quicker rate of speech mm. and um, because they have to be witty, right? They have to be able to think a little bit quicker. Yeah. And so, yeah, So, but then what happens is you have these people who maybe don't have a great vocabulary, don't have a good verbal intelligence or have a lower right. verbal, people will underestimate them, but then they can go up to an engine, tap it with their hammer mm. and tell you exactly what's wrong with it and be able right. to fix it with their eyes closed. Yeah, and blow you away. Yeah, so they have like spatial abilities yeah. like that's very high. Uh, or musical ability. We don't test musical abilities, unfortunately, but, you know, other other talents, other IQ things that can be very high that aren't what people normally expect. Unfortunately, also, some people have very high verbal IQs and they impress everybody. Everybody thinks they're very intelligent. And in some ways they are. They have a verbal high verbal IQ. But then they have can have significant deficits in other areas. Right. And unfortunately, with those people, everybody's always disappointed. It's like, oh, I... And they consider them... Uh, they often attribute character issues to them, like, oh, you're lazy. I know you can do this. Why mm. can't you do it? And it's actually an IQ issue. They actually oh. can't. So I'm not sure what's better, to have everybody not yeah. expecting anything, and then yeah. you can surprise them with a task, or to have everybody expecting a lot yeah. and then failing all the time and everybody mm. being disappointed and thinking that you're not trying. Mm. Um, so it's challenging. Yeah. It is. I've got us off on a tangent again. I no, always that's a do great this, tangent. But, but, these are, <laughs> but these are interesting conversations. So let mm-hmm. me ask you one or maybe two more quick questions about IQ, sure. and then we'll break and we'll come yeah. back and we'll get back on track here. If When you test a 10-year-old yes. or a 40-year-old, yeah. do they have the same IQ at that at those ages, or does the IQ get better or worse over time? Okay, so generally speaking, um, our vocabulary will increase over time. Like our vocabulary doesn't have, doesn't decline. If you, if you start talking about people who are um, kind of in the senior ages, they start to have like dementia and stuff. I don't test dementia, so I'm not like an expert on that. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, there are some things that aren't as affected in vocabulary is one of them. Yeah. Uh, and you said 10. If you had said five, I would have said there's more changes because mm-hmm. at nine or so, that's when IQ starts to stabilize. Starts to lock in. Yeah. And normally, uh, you know, if you get a test around 14, you can sometimes use that as an adult. Like I got tested, I was 14. And people will consider that still valid when you're an adult. That being said, so, you know, oftentimes uh, people will want a more recent measure and, and psych- psychologists will usually say, you know, you should get a test, you know, two years later to make sure or to kind of mm. see if things have been changed. And joining us on the phone now, Scott Jocelyn, president and CEO of the Manitoba Hotel Association. Scott, good afternoon. 
Hello, Hal. How are you? Great. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. So oh, good to talk to you, Hal. Yeah, it's been since all, uh, April, uh, right. the uh, uh, patio smoking ban in the city of Winnipeg. And I just wanted to, I'm sure you're tired of talking about this, but I wanted <laughs> to get you on and, and just let us know what, if any, impact have you seen at hotels from this patio smoking ban? Yeah, like, and I, you know, I, I, yeah, I am tired of talking about it. I'm sure your listeners are tired of hearing me talk about it. And, you know, we just, uh, you know, we were just hoping that the city would have looked at our argument a little bit differently than they did. So having said all that, yeah. uh, you know, it's done. Right. Um, you know, so the challenge, you know, the challenges that we were concerned about happening, you know, we are seeing, you know, we're, we're having people, we had areas set up where people could go and have a cigarette. You you would know me, Hal, as a huge non-smoker. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be I don't want to be stepping out in that area that's just all about smoking. And and now we don't have that area. So we had something that was created, an area sequestered uh, where those people were sequestered away and they could smoke uh, to their heart's content. And and now we don't have that. So we're finding that you know we're hearing of places that you know they've got people smoking in front of their buildings or they've got people you know you've got cigarette butts in areas where people don't want to see them. And that was kind of one of our cons- you know that was our concerns. That's where we're at. Um, you know, I, I think the, the interesting nugget to it all would be, um, you know, our patios, I'll call them patios, but every time I do, I probably shouldn't, you know, our smoking areas were open, you know, year round, 365 days a year. When somebody needs a cigarette in November, they're going to step outside and into that smoking area and do it. And, and now when we get into, you know, that time of year, again, those areas won't exist. So people will be smoking in other places. And that really has always been our concern. We're not, we're not pro smoking. We don't want to have people smoking when people are eating. That wasn't, that was never what the argument was about for us. It was about keeping the smokers where they are. The reality is some of our people, they come to our places, they're looking for somewhere to smoke and we were offering them that. And now we can't, they're just smoking, you know, wherever they're, wherever they can in parking lots and in front of businesses. And that was our concern. Well, and now here's the problem that I think we'll get Get worse as the weather gets colder. Now, uh, you know, I mean, let's face it, a hotel is in business to make money. And a lot of those people that went knowing they had a place where they could sneak outside for a puff now might say, I'm just going to stay at home where I can have a cigarette. And maybe they don't go and have a beer or a meal at the hotel. And now the hotel bottom line suffers. For sure. And again, Hal, we're not, we're not about that smoking experience, but the reality is we're in the customer-pleasing business, right? Yeah. When people come to our places and they're looking for something, uh, we don't stand in front of them and talk to them about uh, the good, the bad, the ugly of smoking. Uh, that's a choice that they make, and we try and accommodate them. And, uh, you know, the reality is that gets harder and harder. It's not illegal to smoke, uh, and so people come, and they, they're looking for that place to smoke, and we can't, you know, a, a solution that we had come up with isn't an option any further, and that's frustrating. Yeah, and that's why I know you feel like you don't, you know, and I appreciate you coming on, Scott. I, I know you probably weren't crazy about it because you're worried that people are going to think you're still talking about this months after it was decided, and that's not the case. I just wanted to know if there has been an impact. Have you been able to say, here's a tangible number or or a situation that we're seeing? And, and you know, you talk about walking now, non-smokers walking through the clouds of smoke outside the door. I see that here every day walking into this building because, and before that wasn't a problem at hotels and now it is. Right. Hal, the industry has, I appreciate you saying that, the industry has weathered many storms and we will, you know, we will get past, we will get past this one. I I do get a little offended when people say there'll be no impact. There was no impact when the smoking, you know, the smoking ban came inside, you know, inside. The reality is there was and there will be with this. But we will, you know, we'll weather the storm and 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 move forward. And and 
Um, you know, and again, we hope people come to our places. We want to give them the experience they're looking for when they do. So we hope they come. Yeah. Well, for what it's worth, I am a non-smoker as well. Both my parents smoke. My mom's still here. She still she still smokes. Um, but here's the deal. I, I thought what you put forward as an option was a pretty cool compromise. I really did think it was that, and I'm, I I really feel bad for smokers that it wasn't seen as a suitable compromise because I think it was it would have worked. I think, and it would have kept more people happy than what we're seeing right now. Right, and I think when the city was looking at an option, you know, the best thing to say is, "Hey, we banned it. It's banned. It's yep. finished." Right? right, but you know, sometimes you know the you know that kind of headline, you know, you may feel better about yep. it, but the reality in our hotels work, and the reality they're dealing with these people that are coming there looking for that, mm-hmm. and, and you know, so you have an option, and and now we don't have that option, so we we move forward. And uh, I always appreciate talking to you. I appreciate yeah. you reaching out to me. So. Yeah. Hey, Scott, yeah. thanks a lot. Okay. I really right, appreciate help. it. Enjoy okay. your long weekend. Yeah, and, you and best of luck to all your hotel members. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a tough business at yeah. times, and uh, it's a challenging one. And, uh, but I know you guys will do well with it.